Welcome to another episode of AA for Entrepreneurs. I'm Adam. I'm Andrew. And uh, we are excited to be back here and uh, give you guys some updates on the, on the things we've been working on and the meetings we've been to. And we're honestly just just going as hard as we possibly can right now, just like we said we would. Yeah, and we're, we're finally here. Like, like you said, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. It's been, it's been two weeks, so the biggest thing that comes onto my plate. But before, really. you, before we start getting into it, I just want to say thank you to our listeners and subscribers. If you do get any value from this at all, please, please, please make sure to hit that subscribe button for us. It means the world. And follow us on Instagram at AA for Entrepreneurs. And uh, shout out to our sponsors, Flipboard, Anchor, and King Casher on Twitch. Make sure to follow him. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we, we, we literally couldn't do it with, without, without, them. without them, without you guys. So it is, it is super important yep. to, we love to give our shout outs. We love you guys. But so, as you were saying? Again, the thing that is, is leaping off my plate, or not my, my plate, or our plate, is what you've been going through just right now in the past couple of days. Yeah, uh, I have been in meetings with Disrupt Boston. They're a local, another local media company, and uh, we're partnering up to do NECAN TV, New England Cannabis Convention. It's literally the biggest uh, convention, at least on the East Coast, I'm pretty sure in the country. Is they're expected 10,000 patrons to the one in Boston. <laughs> they're expecting over 300 vendors, so we are official Nikan TV. So like, we, we partnered up with them. And uh, you know, we've had some, some meetings, some meetings about it, and you know, I have thoughts on it that I definitely need to process and come up with a plan, like a master plan on how to really help myself uh, catapult forward the same way that I did with Harvest Cup and the same way I did with Sensi, just on a much, much larger scale. So you say thoughts? Yes. So, I mean, the first thought that comes to mind is Nikan has 10 other events this year. All over the, all over the US. The US, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to go to all of them. Yeah, all of them. Like, I'm trying to make an impression on Nikan at this event that makes them say, Adam, we need to hire you. We need to. It's not a choice. Like, this, is, this guy needs to come along with us because he's going to capture what the actual essence of, like, Nikan is. Sure. Right? So I have to protect myself as, as a creative in that process and just make sure that, you know, with partnering up with Disrupt, that everything is gonna work out to help them because it is important and it is awesome that they're giving me this opportunity to kind of partner up with them. But I also can't forget about myself. I have to, have to, have to, have to get my content in. I have to network. Networking is like the number one thing above everything when it comes to these conventions. It's just like the connections you make. I've made so many lifetime friends already. I've made business partnerships that are starting to blossom and boom and people are starting to see like what I and we are all, doing. Yeah, all the work that's been put in. Exactly. People have seen me at Sensi with a camera and, and not even a, a, a real, I had this microphone. The microphone that we use to record the podcast instead of like, and then I upgraded to like the microphone, the regular microphone at Harvest Cup, you know? Yeah, with the box yep. underneath the bulb. Yep. <laughs> so now it's just, it's, it's just about, uh, now that all the equipment's basically there, now it's about creating something that's almost completely different from what I did, but still brings the value of what I did before. 
Yeah. And the funny thing about it is, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed the listeners. I know you have. We've talked about it. Uh, IGTV is is making a big push. So right now they changed it so when you post on IGTV, it posts a little one minute clip to your wall so that more people could see it. That's exactly why this angle here, shout out to you guys. Um, IGTV is, is making a big push. Actually, I released uh, the wrap up video for Harvest Cup and parts one through eight of nine and all of them had under 100 views on IGTV when I was just posting it. I posted, uh, one, I feel what clip we were doing, 500 views. I posted the clip with Bridget about the endocannabinoid system. Yeah, it's skyrocketing. 960 views right now. Insane. So I actually realized this morning while I was going through my IGTV videos, because I have almost 20 now on there, I forgot to post part nine of Harvest Cup. Hmm. And it's almost kind of like an advantage because it's going to get more views now. Right. So I'm gonna post that shit tomorrow, or maybe even tonight while we're content creating. I have my hard drive at your house and stuff. I'll probably just pull it off and upload it. Be like, oh my God, I can't believe I forgot this. And that's, you know, that's the amazing thing about video is that as long as you don't screw up and then send it into the abyss somewhere, it's always there for you to, to draw upon before. But, but going back to like your thoughts on the challenge, or not the challenge, but the question that you're being faced with now, where's the friction coming from? What there's a there's a pro and there's a con to mm. the the job that they're offering you right definitely they uh they want me behind the camera and they they put it as like so so they're gonna have a couple different teams you know there's gonna be one team that stays at the tent and they interview businesses that are sponsors and stuff like that and then there's gonna be a team of people that goes out to the crowd and just interviews all the people that are attending and they want me to be like the cameraman for the for the roving crowd, the one that's going around talking to all the crowd, because I have an eye for content. But I can't use my eyes for content just for their content. You know, like my I think it's important that people see me, my face. You saw my face at Sensi when it was like I don't know a hundred people there. You saw my face at Harvest Cup when there was three thousand people there. Now you're gonna see my face at Nikan where there's over 10,000 people in less than six months. That's, holy shit, I didn't even realize that until just now, that's six months. Sensi night was October, 2018. Wow, I'm sorry, I just got in my own head a little bit. Um, I think it's important for people to see that. Like, this is small too. Like, this is still just the baby steps to get where we're going. And like, eventually it's gonna be like a, a big leap and we're there. Yeah. And I just feel like my friction is coming from wanting to make sure that I don't spend too much of my time with Disrupt Boston content. I do want to help. It is a paid event. They're paying me to be there. So obviously I'm, I'm very grateful, very grateful for the opportunity, but I need my own content. At, at the end of the day, my own content and networking trumps any amount of money. Yeah. So just, um just to apologize to the viewers here at our, our studio in Taunton, we're dealing with a, a really bad case of termites and uh, they'll, they'll be buzzing in every once in a while. So just, uh, we, we apologize in advance for that. <laughs> Jurassic termites. Jurassic termites. We have prehistoric termites here at Striking Beauties. Yeah. It's an incredible experimental in uh, the, the genes that we're coming back. We're actually mixing uh, the great mammoth 
with insects. You should see how fast people run when these things chase them. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. It's oh, you can't go. run a, a five-minute mile? Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those... It's like those videos where like you see like a tsunami and then everybody's like, oh no, there's a hundred foot wave coming in three <laughs> feet from it. <laughs> Dude, we are in such a, such a goofy mood today. I think it's because both of us are in a great mood. Like every other week, we're just, we're spending literally like 12 hours together of just joking around, yeah. laughing at ourselves on video, editing content, micro clipping down the content. But like... Andy's been training hard for Denali, so he slept in a little today. So he kind of like rolled out of bed, texted me like, dude, can you get me a coffee? I'm like, I got you. Ran down, got him coffee, came back. He pulled in like two minutes later. We got all set up. Everything's running like normal. And it's like, I, I kind of overslept too. I set my alarm <laughs> for 8.30, slept till 9.30. It was like, I don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, so like, this is actually, this is pretty big. So last, last night, um, I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but every once in a while, I really don't want to do what I need to do. Yep. And Human nature. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I need, I need some sort of motivation. I'm laying in bed. Like, I don't want to do anything. Like, really, like, I can't even, sometimes I can motivate myself, but other times it's like, oh, it's impossible. Yeah, so I go, yeah. So I kind of logged into YouTube. I logged into YouTube and I looked up uh, one of Gary Vee's most recent clips in I don't even rem really remember in the clip what he was ex exactly talking about, but it motivated me enough to get out of bed and listen to the termites. So I get out of bed, I put on my gym shoes, I go work out, and I had one of the best workouts that I've had in a long time, like an hour and a half of straight cardio. In my car, I kept my cardio in between 140 and 160 for an hour and a half. Wow. And uh, had, had water with me, and when I do that, it's exhausting. So like, all I want to do is sleep. Yep. I get back home and I get to bed and I was like listening to some podcast right before bed. And I'm thinking, all right, um, it's, it's one in the morning. I should probably naturally wake up around eight. No problem. Not even going to set an alarm. I'm not concerned. <laughs> and then I woke up at 1034, looked at my, <laughs> looked at my clock and went, Fuck. <laughs> I, I text Adam and I'm like, dude, fuck, I just woke up changing on my way now. And then I'm like, I need coffee. <laughs> so like, yeah, so I shoot him a message asking him. He's like, I got you. Oh, he's a, he's a fucking man. So then I like I heard brush my teeth, send floss through my teeth, rinse out. And then I'm like running out the door with all the gear in my hands. And finally, uh, get here. Here we are. I get my coffees brewing, and we're just in, in a super good mood, ready to crush the day. Ten hours of sleep. I yep. feel strong. Yeah, I got some pretty good sleep too. Not not complaining. Not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> For having a newborn, still getting six to eight hours of sleep. That's amazing. Like I just saw that the thing that Courtney posted. She's sleeping six hours a night now, mm -hmm. like through the night. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. She has this thing where like she'll. Like, you'll put her to sleep and she'll go to sleep and then she'll fuss and it's just like, you want to leave her there and like kind of let her fuss till she goes to sleep. Yeah. But we've kind of figured out that she just like wants like one more second of like love 
Okay. <laughs> she really does. Like, you pick her up and then cuddle her again and, like, rock her a little bit, and then she's just, like, dead. Literally, like, <laughs> so limp. All I want. Like, last night, she was so limp in my arms that I'm, like, trying not to let her arm just, like, flop so she doesn't wake up. And I'm, like, holding her a weird way, just, like, get in the, get in the, get in the bassinet. Don't wake up. <laughs> Without disturbing her too much. And then 7 a.m. comes around and we woke up. So, it was, like, almost seven hours. Like, after, she, like, fell asleep for, like, almost an hour, fussed a little bit, picked her up. Checked her diaper, she was good, and then put her back, and it was like six, seven hours. So it's, it's been such a blessing, dude. Like we couldn't be luckier as parents. <laughs> That's amazing. That's so good. It's so good to hear. Yeah, and she's she's in good hands. Definitely. Yeah, it's been an experience for sure. But I want to talk more about Denali. 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 Yeah. It's. I feel like I'm like living this experience through you, just talking to you about it all the time, and like I'm so excited. Like it's only what three months away. Yeah, it's crazy. A little bit less than three months now. And, uh, so for the people that don't know, explain uh, what Denali is and then like where it falls on the map, the spectrum, on the map, but also the spectrum of like height. Okay. So Denali is, uh, for the viewers, Denali is a uh, mountain in Alaska, right? It sits a few hours northeast of Anchorage and um, it's one of the biggest mountains in the world, landmass wise. If you were to put... Uh, Denali, next to Mount Everest, Denali's about this big, and Everest is about this big. So Everest is significantly taller, but it sits on what's called the Tibetan Plateau, which the Tibetan Plateau is a 20-something thousand feet high. And Denali sits pretty much at sea level. So when you climb Denali, you're starting here, mm. climbing here. When you start at Everest, you're starting here climbing here that's actually not in the video we'll catch it on the IGTV um, and it's just a, it's an enormous enormous mountain and uh, it the the whole climb takes about three weeks just because you got to climb up climb down yep. climb up climb down climb up and you, you're carrying a bunch of gear and when you're carrying a bunch of gear up a mountain you need to like really train hard so that's that's what I've been doing is I've, I've developed a, a really, really heavy, intensive training schedule. And my, my thought is to document the whole thing. Absolutely. So last week I, I started my first vlog and my whole, my whole thing is do about two, three vlogs a week and kind of just document, Yep. right? Every time and something new comes up or like... Yeah, a challenge yep. or a, an obstacle, anything, a, an insight something that I learned. And the major thing that I, I wanna do is I wanna help future mountaineers climb Denali because I've been doing a ton of research. Because I only work 24 hours a week, that gives me a lot of time to do the things that I'm really passionate about. So I'm putting in hours and hours and hours of mm. technical research, training research, and just to accrue this mass of uh, Denali-based knowledge. So now I'm gonna take these vlogs and show people, give them a platform in which to be like, okay, I wanna climb Denali. I don't have 10 grand to pay for a guide. I wanna do this by myself. Mm -hmm. So how do I do that? And I'm gonna make every single step of the way. That's awesome. As a, as a guide, yeah. That's awesome. A virtual guide up Denali. This is my, my intention. 
I can't wait, dude. I can't wait to see the videos when you come back and like how fired up you're gonna be when you come back. Oh, yeah. You're gonna be on like cloud a million, not even. <laughs> yes. This is gonna be like above cloud nine. Like yes, everything is gonna come to me now. <laughs> I'm gonna be looking down and down at cloud nine. Oh, hopefully by then we're we're approved and plants are in the ground. And you're gonna come back like three weeks later and you're like, dude, I don't even recognize these plants. They're so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that's. That's actually, uh, I was just telling you like before, tell, telling you before the podcast, so the viewers, now I'm starting to get a little impatient. I just, come on, yeah. just let us know. Yeah. <laughs> let us know we can get the seeds and start planting them because we want to see them grow. It's so hard right now because like we planned on having seeds in the ground March 1. By the time you guys see this, it'll be uh, March 16th. By the time you hear it, it'll be the 14th. So it's already like two weeks late, you know, later than what we planned. Yeah. Are we panicking, running, screaming, angry? No, no. there's nothing we could really do. We went to the Department of Agriculture hemp uh, seminar that they put on in Rockland to try to, you know, maybe get some answers <laughs> as to why it's taken so long. And we got answers. We did. It was That was really... Uh Settling, right? Yes. Oh man, I felt so much better leaving there. So much better. The biggest concerns that we had, or at least uh, that were floating around in my noggin before going into the event, was reasons for denial. Right? So why would they deny us? And I was thinking, well, I live in a, a, a residential neighborhood, so I can see houses from my yard. That was one one thing that was concerning me mm -hmm. and then the other thing was space yeah like did they have like a minimum requirement yeah like is it because we're doing a tenth of an acre is that is that too small are they going to be uh no we can only hand out so many licenses it's definitely going to go to miss schmidt in westport who has 30 acres yeah so but we went in we went into that meeting and one of the first things that we saw was a table a table with a bunch of numbers, mm -hmm. and the numbers were accompanied, numbers. accompanied by um, area, so like uh, area in Massachusetts that broken up, Barnstable, uh, Bristol, mm -hmm. and what did we see? Oh man, we saw two, not one, but two farms, outdoor farms that were approved for 0 0.01 acres, so a tenth of our size. Yeah. Our farm is 10 times bigger than two that got approved. And only four, there was only 14 people that got approved last year. I think there was only like 15 that applied, and there's only like 50 or 60 this year so far. Yeah. So like I'm feeling great. I feel that. I'm feeling pretty good too. And not only did we see numbers smaller than we were um, uh, or expecting, predicting, predicting. Uh, but we also didn't see any area in our county. Yep. So our county was. wasn't even listed. Oh. That, oh, that made me so happy. I mean, yeah. we were sitting, Westport's technically Bristol County, I'm pretty sure, because um, I, I, New Bedford Did is. anybody... Oh, was there anyone in the, West? Not, the not lady, last year. Last year, no, yeah. but the lady sitting next to us. So there, there should be two farms coming at least to, uh -huh. to Bristol County. And, and we were already talking to the other one, and she's amazing too. So Yeah, that was actually uh, one of my favorite things about going to those meetings is it's just meeting yep. people yep. right around. And she, she came in. She was a really, really nice older lady, maybe in her, in her 40s or 50s. Uh, 
I know she had a, uh, a son our age who was in Australia. That's but how I judge the thing age is, a lot for people. I'm like, hey, you had a son my age? My mom's like 50. You're probably 50. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I was thinking. And she's got a farm, and she's had a farm for 30 years. 50. 50 years. Yeah. See, so I was even wrong there. So like, you get to you get to meet all these people. She was super friendly, super nice, telling telling us about what she was doing and what she planned for the future. And then there was there were some things about the meeting that I really didn't like. Before we get into the stuff that we didn't like, my favorite part of the meeting didn't even have to do with him. My favorite part of the meeting had to do with talking to I believe her last name was Barrett, Miss Barrett from Allen Farm. She. Uh, she was taking notes from you about Salanova mixes and yeah. different things. That made me feel good for you. I was like, damn. Like, technically, we're both kind of only like two, maybe three-year experience farmers and stuff. Yep. So for a 50-plus year, second, third generation farmer to be taking yeah, notes from you, I was so happy for you, dude. Yeah, and I mean, that <laughs> was like, it was really nice to, to see that the world isn't like, oh, you're, you're a 27 year old guy. What do you know? She wasn't like that at all. She was, she was asking questions. She was intrigued. Like, so for backstory, <clears throat> in my farm, I grew a lot of Salanova. And Salanova is a variety of lettuce that's not only extremely palatable and really enjoyable on a consumer end, but it's extremely nice and easy to work with on a farming end a production end yep. because instead of like a, a romaine where the, the leaves grow bigger as the plant matures, the salanova, that doesn't happen. It's like a shark. So salanova is kind of like a shark where it just makes more teeth. The leaf, you just get more and more leaves stemming from the center the mm -hmm. leaves don't get bigger. They stay bite-sized. And that's really nice for two reasons. It's nice for the consumer because it's a it's perfectly like a spaceship going to your mouth. Yeah, you're not getting a leaf that big. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a car going into a garage. It's perfect. Yep. You don't need to cut it up. It's easy. And for the farming end, you kind of just wrap it with your hand, take a serrated blade, cut it, done. And now it regrows. Same thing. And the only downfall to that lettuce is that it's pricey because it's mm -hmm. it's. Uh, top shelf. It's top shelf, and it's a specific genetics that only one company has. So when you've got you've got the genetics, you can charge whatever you want. Yeah. And um, and it was that price point that was kind of driving Miss Bennett. Is that what we was Barrett? It? Barrett. Sorry, we were that was driving her away from that particular variety. And I was I was pretty much telling her all the all the pros. And I really don't have any cons. I would, if when I continue to grow lettuce, it's going to be that variety. So and she it, was excited about it. And it's so good, like, dude, you're just bringing value to her. Like, you didn't know her from a hole in the wall, and you just were like, here's some value. Like, I noticed her body language towards us changed completely, especially towards you, but towards us was completely different after you like gave her information that she's literally like, hmm, money making. I can use that. Yeah. <laughs> you know and. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, and she. Uh, I don't really talk about it much because I feel like it's like I, I, I use the comparison with you. It's like Donald Trump getting a million dollar loan from his father. My father has been a head grower of a nursery in Westport for 27 years, you know, 25 years, and she actually knew my father because they're neighboring farms. 
So weird. So small. Weird. <laughs> the world is so small. Very much so. Very much so. Did you end up talking to your dad? No. Not yet. No, I haven't talked to him in a long time. Actually, it's been since like June. I think uh, a lot of what I said to Miss Barrett is, is seed planting, and she's gonna do some work for me. Okay. That's how I feel. Because yeah. I told I told her that uh, my dad really wants to start a microgreens business, but he's too scared. And she started asking me questions about the business he works at. Aren't they blah, blah, blah. I don't want to give too much details, but, um, and I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And I could see like a light bulb in her head, like, hmm, <laughs> you know? So maybe now that I planted that seed in her head, it'll grow, she'll go plant some seeds in my dad's head, and yeah. that'll grow, and all of a sudden he's gonna be like, hey, did you talk to Miss Bear from Allen Farm? <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. the sprouted seed. Exactly. She so, came by and gave me like, Ten thousand dollars to start my business, because she was like, she was like, aren't the microgreens at the place he works amazing? I'm like, yeah. Who do you think started that? She was like, hmm, the head grower, <laughs> the head grower <laughs> who makes the most profitable thing of a nursery. Hmm. <laughs> Another notable event that I, I'm kind of recalling from that conference was um, us trying to catch the video mm-hmm. so what, what ended up happening is Adam and I walked into this huge function hall very nice and uh, walk in and we see two women sitting at a table and they're kind of giving out folders and having people sign and say that they're here you get a name tag you put your name Phyllis on it and you kind of just you, you talk to them and we, we carried out bags up and we said so uh, I don't know if, if you got our email, but we decided to bring the bring our camera gear in just in case you wanted to record the information, the lecture that you're going to offer today, and put it online for the world to see. And it, their their decision was pretty unanimous. That's not appropriate. Yeah. I, I believe someone said, and uh, which I have to look into a little bit because I think if you're technically a state-run organization, you can't deny people to record because it's a public event. Yeah, but that's neither here. Like the, the, I just assume that this is their first first real yeah. time doing this. They were so nervous. They were nervous, and they were like, ah, "I don't." And having cameras on you, if you're not used to having. A DSLR in front of your face—it's—it's it's intimidating. <laughs> so I don't—I don't blame yeah. them for me. Like you know what? That's no, we don't need that. Thank you, but no thanks. So we kind of like went in to like, oh, can we help you? And they were like, no, we don't want any help. Thank you though. And uh, in hindsight, it would have made made great content. Oh my god! I mean, I secretly recorded the audio, but <laughs> which you wouldn't even have to yeah. have secretly do it. And I've listened to a good portion of it. Oh boy, does it drive me crazy! It, yeah. it Britney Spears is the shit out of me. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, to hear her say that you need to harvest males before they get buds on them, it hurt my soul. <laughs> it just let me know that the department needs a little more education, and that's not to say that those four women and the lawyer because that's all that the Massachusetts Department of Hemp is, is four women. Yeah. Four singular people going through 50, 60, 70 applications doing site inspections all the paperwork. can only imagine what they're doing on the bureaucratic side of things. You know, so... They're so busy. 
busy as hell. That's one of my biggest takeaways is that the department is 100% underfunded and understaffed. So they're, one of the biggest takeaways too was you kind of walked away and you're like, dude, I feel drained. I just, yeah. that was really negative. And I'm like, you gotta understand, man, like going to Sensi, going to Harvest Cup, I've been able to like see these people firsthand fighting so hard for this plant, for cannabis and hemp. And to have them basically lawyer up every answer pisses people off. And they don't have the patience and the macro to see what's ahead. Like this is, this is an emerging industry we need to be patient with it. That was one thing that they were 100% right about. We need to be patient with this so we don't do things wrong. Yeah. Like maybe we need to, you know, kick them in the ass a little bit, like move a little faster. But in the in the long term, the program will be better if we don't have, like all of a sudden they're like, okay, this is approved and this is what you could do. You're halfway into growing your crop and then they change it completely. Oh, sorry, you don't follow these guidelines. You got to kill your crop and do it this way. You know, I think that's the things they're trying to like really avoid. Um, going back to the negativity part of things, in the minds of all the cannabis community, they're probably looking at these four women and saying, "What the hell are these lazy shits doing? They're just sitting up here answering questions. They're not even doing anything to help." Blah 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 blah. So in their mind, they're like fighting against it. But what they're not realizing is. These four women are most likely putting 50, 60 hours a week each of their time into this program. Like I'm saying, they're, they're, tied, they're probably tied down in 30, 40 hours a week of just bureaucratic shit. And then they got to try to figure out site inspections. There's only two people doing all the site inspections. Two. This is going to take a long time. Like a part of me just wanted to be like, hey, do you guys need volunteers? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's not a bad idea. You actually. know? Yeah. See, there's actually a big problem amongst the cannabis community. And, what do you think that is? And that is we've been fighting for too long. So when naturally when you've been fighting for so long, your instinct is to fight, mm -hmm. even though you're fighting the people on your side. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a big takeaway that I got from going to that lecture is that everybody was, as you mentioned, Fighting. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing Asking that? Asking the same question over and over and over. over, and over. And like you're berating them like, hey, 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 yeah. hey. Like and nobody said thank you for what you're doing. <laughs> and then when, when we did, when we did go up and say thankful, you could just see that they were just so stressed out from being on the receiving end of torches and sticks yeah. that they they just wanted to get out of there. It was definitely turned into kind of a mob mentality and there was actually somebody within the audience that I personally believe worked for Big Pharma and I think they were kind of planted there to get people more riled up because she started talking about how CBD is a psychoactive drug but it's just non-intoxicating and how the synthetic version is better for you than the, than the natural plant derived version. Yeah, and and when was, I tried to call her out and say that it's synthetic, she's like, this gentleman said it's synthetic and it's not. I'm like, I just turned around. I'm like, no, okay, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Big Pharma has a big stake in this. You know, they don't want people to get cheap medicine. They don't want people to get of course not. healed. I don't want to say cured because that's a, that's a hard word and they come down hard on people, but healed. You know, they're losing a lot of money. Cannabis doesn't cost as much as a Percocet. <laughs> no, and it's not, it's not as uh, profitable. Yep, or addictive. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> <laughs> Same, but no, it's good to like hammer in that point because it's 
I really do think she was planted there to help rile people up. And everybody was kind of already riled up. And then she said that, and people started getting furious. Yeah. The questions after that were like, so what you're saying is we need to operate in the gray area and do some illegal shit? Hey, if you need to do illegal shit, hit me up on this person. <laughs> that literally happened. That literally happened. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's, it's creating this like, instead of like both of us fighting the system head on, you know, both teams yeah. like, okay, hemp department, you don't understand the hemp people. The hemp people don't understand the hemp department. So it's naturally just gonna keep butting heads until they can like really understand each other and how we coincide with each other to help the bigger purpose. So what we're gonna do is we are gonna try, Adam and I are going to try to be the glue, bring together. So that's what we're, we're gonna try. We're gonna send some emails and see if we can help the yep. system. Cause we just discovered a, a real flaw, yep. a real flaw in, in both systems and we can, we can go yep. in, go in, in, in between the two. And we kind of drive, did, you know, like be a for, conduit. for me, I 1000% stand and understand, stand with and understand the cannabis community, right? I understand their frustration. It's been over a hundred years of fighting for a plant that they've known doesn't hurt you. It's so frustrating. Some of these people have grandparents that were brought up and they knew that cannabis was good and they taught their parents and their parents taught them. So for three generations, they've been fighting for their right to use this plant. You know, some of these people have lost people, family members to cancer because they weren't able to give access to cannabis, you know? So like, I understand the frustration of it, but like he's saying, we have to be the glue. We have to kind of play the middle a little bit. Like I'm on this side of like, I'm emotional about the cannabis stuff too. If, if I ever release the, the, the voice recording I got, you'll hear me go, and if you yeah. can see video, I'm going like this. Because I'm just breathing and calming myself down because I know getting mad isn't going to do anything about it. And having you sitting next to me was a huge help for that too. Like a reminder of like, okay, this is like my level-headed half right here. Like I'm not <laughs> going to say or do anything stupid. Like I'm going to represent us in the best way possible. Like I had some questions I wanted to ask too, but I just kind of like really wanted to take in the whole situation. Yeah, as that, you. that was my my primary objective too. Yep. Overall, it was a it was a very productive productive meet. I think so as as well, and I think you know as going back to your point of like they uh, we want to see their guidelines for approving people, and it it seemed very fair. Very fair. So, yeah. like, both I think both of us left there. Like, I left there, head held up way high, and you held you had your head held up, but like, you felt the negativity of the room too. So, it kind of drained you a little bit. I did. I felt I left there feeling very drained. Yeah. Not I, not head down, but, but like tired. You were just kind of hmm, tired. How do I feel about this? Like, th that was a lot to take in. It sure was. And I think you know the car ride home hopefully helped with like understanding that emotion that you were feeling because. I've been there. I've definitely been there. Like my first few events of like working with the cannabis community like this is like, it's it's powerful. It's a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy in that room and a lot of frustration built up. And yeah. People are just trying to release it. They want to get answers. A big thing that was mentioned often is uh, a lot of people wanted, they wanted someone to say, do it. Yeah, <laughs> do know, something like, illegal. You're not, you're not allowed to do it. 
but do it. Like, yeah. People kept saying, can you give us a wink? Yeah. And like, they were like, so what you're saying is it's technically not allowed, but there's no law that says we can't do it and we won't get arrested for it. And they're like, uh, that's not what we're saying. Yeah. They were doing, as, as you said, they were doing a lot of dancing. Yes. Around there, some questions. There was, <laughs> I mean, there were some questions that they can't answer, so you have to dance. I, I, heard, my, I heard myself on the voice recording say, salsa. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> I went like this. I was just like, salsa. Because they were just dancing so much. And, I, you know, that's something to kind of take away and learn. You know, they don't have the answers, so they're just going to dance around the answers till you forget and then go to the next question because they need to get their shit together. A big, big thing that I kind of like, I, I heard somebody ask a question or make a statement and I kind of was like, huh. And what the guy asked, he's, he's pretty much said, so what, what did everybody who got a license last year, what did they do with their product? And there was just like overwhelming silence. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, they're holding on to it. Yeah. And, yeah. and then there was oh, uproar yeah. in the room and people were like, what? That's a good point. Because yeah. like people, th there's a shelf life to hemp and cannabis, you know, like <laughs> I didn't really even know it was that like that. Like you had a little nugget of jar from like a year ago or two years ago. Oh, several, no, no, no. This was probably from like 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's so, like 10 years old. So maybe the, but it does, the, the, the cannabinoids do degrade over time. Yeah, they do. Unless. Sunlight, heat, stuff like that can break them down. Unless they're freeze dried. Unless they're freeze dried. 30 years. Plus. As long as you keep them out of the sun. Yeah. Because the sun does degrade your cannabinoids yeah, it does. over time. That UV, man. Yep. Powerful. UV is powerful stuff. Like if sure you, when I make FICO and stuff, uh, it'll be like, we'll blast it through and we're like, damn it, we, we must have done it too warm. It's green. You throw it outside for a half hour, it turns yellow. Bye bye, chlorophyll. Speaking of powerful stuff i wanted to uh kind of end this podcast with something that the listeners could take away from and actually start employing into what they're doing and uh, a few months ago i started researching marketing mm. and the coolest or the most interesting aspect of marketing that i took away was guerrilla marketing so and it was this guy, I forget his name, but he was he was talking about different things that he's done in the past. And he was working in a hot day, right? And there was a particular area where people would go on hikes. They'd go on hikes, they'd be super hot. It was like 90 plus degrees out. And when they'd come down from their hike, everyone would be thirsty and tired. So what this guy did is he set up a little stand and he got water bottles, those little tiny baby water bottles, and he put his own label around them. Mm. promoting his business and I I saw that I'm like wow that is guerrilla marketing so it's pretty much guerrilla marketing is pretty much going outside of the norms it's not renting ad space it's doing your own thing it's it's flyers it's it's bridges and tunnels and I remember going to bed last week or the week before and I can't even really take credit for it because I was like in the middle of going into deep sleep. And all of a sudden I had this thought, I have a label printer. Why don't I print AA for Entrepreneurs advertisement on these stickers and fix them to delivery bags? So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this. So Adam and I 
sat down in one of our days where we were just content creating. Yeah. We, I went into the computer, I kind of dragged and dropped some things, I made a label in what we've been doing is as we go out DoorDash with every bag, we're slapping that sticker on. Yep. Free advertising. And they say thank you for your order and he highlighted thank you for your order at the bottom. So like the first thing your mind's gonna look at is the highlighted. Thank you for your order. Then you're gonna look up, probably see the little logos, look up CAA for entrepreneurs. So what I've been doing to kind of even add on to that, when I'm leaving the restaurant, I'm like, okay, GPS says I'm 10 minutes away. I text them and say, hey, Ralph, this is Adam from DoorDash. Just want to let you know I'm about to leave the restaurant. Should be there in less than 15 minutes. That's brilliant. So, and then I say, thank you for your order. And then when I see them in person, I hand it to them. Hey, thank you for your order. Have a great night. Then they look at the thing. Thank you for your order. So it's like, thank you economy mixed with guerrilla marketing. Yeah. And now they're like, wow, this dude was like really nice. Like he thanked me a bunch of times. I love that. Now they have my number. Uh huh. So like if they do happen to listen to the podcast and like us and want to reach out, they have my direct number. <laughs> I, I think um, DoorDash disguises it. It kind of goes through a server. But you and can then still they get that. You can still contact them after. I, I believe so. Well, we should we should investigate that. Yeah. Maybe I'll place an order and you deliver it. You know what's funny about that? If you call and you, you call the person and it goes to voicemail, it gives you their real number. <laughs> like if they, if yeah, they that just makes have, sense. Like area code seven seven four it does not come. Oh, away. okay. Yeah. You know, like it says their number out. I'm like, well, you tried masking it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, there it is. It's Uber okay. doesn't even try masking it. It just gives you the number. Does it? Yeah. It's, it's kind of good and bad. I don't really care if people have my numbers. They're on my business card, on my Instagram. Like you could, it's literally public information. It's a care. phone number. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't care either. I, just, I see a number that I don't recognize. I'm like, eh, keep the line. <laughs> you call yeah. me too much, I'll probably block you. Or if you're bored, you answer and see see where the conversation Sometimes. goes. Sometimes. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a little little piece that someone may be able to take away from. And if you have any examples of guerrilla marketing that you've done in the past, let us know because examples are king, yeah. right? The more examples that you can get, the more uh-huh. active your brain is in, in seeing the opportunities to market for free and get your business out there. And I, I just wanna point something out. We are technically getting paid to DoorDash. I'm listening to our podcasts while I DoorDash so I could get the good moments. And we're guerrilla marketing on top of it. It's like, we're just, just hammering the nail. Covered all four bases. Working while we're working while we're working. You know? <laughs> That's literally what it turns into. And, you know, if, if you guys have noticed on our Instagram, we've really been breaking down micro clips. We've been posting every day. Uh, most of the time, we do multiple times a day if, if our schedule allows for it. And we're going to be scheduling in when we're gonna be posting stuff so that it could be more consistent with all of all of our uh, followers. And uh, we gained 30 followers in the past week just doing this, so. But it's working. It's working. <laughs> it's a slow grind, but it one of these pieces of content, all of it has so much value. I just feel like one of them is just gonna And it's already happening. It takes. It's all, it's, ha- it's already happening and I'm, I'm excited for it, so. Yeah. Thank, thanks again, guys, so much for for your eyes and ears, um, your contribution, it means it means everything to us to have have you here and, and keep coming back. And we hope to keep doing this so that we can keep delivering content and hopefully help in any way that we can. And make sure, uh, you know, if we brought you value in this episode, 
make sure you go check out some of our older stuff. You know, check out past episodes, hit subscribe on our channel. And just to kind of add to that, actually the last time that we were content creating, I took the time out and uploaded all of AA for Entrepreneurs on the SoundCloud. So now we are on our 11th platform for sound for podcast, just to make it more convenient for y'all. And we are also working, I'm also working on something with podcast.co to give us some more reach. They, they just launched a beta program that I've been kind of like dipping my fingers in. So yeah. everything to just reach more people. And if, if the rest is you guys, we need you to share, tag friends, like, comment. It means the world to us. It's literally our lifeblood and you're the reason we keep going. Thanks IGTV. That's another episode of AA for Entrepreneurs. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.